Home again, home again, jiggity jig. Not for too long, though. Miss Vreeland dropped the kidnapping charges. With a little more hard work, you should be ready to re-enter society for good. Yay. There's one thing I gotta know. Why'd you stay with me all day, risking your butt for someone who's never given you anything but trouble? I know what it's like to try and rebuild a life. I had a bad day, too, once. Nice guys like you shouldn't have bad days. your luck. Eh, what are you looking at? Hey everybody, this is Alex. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, so go over to the BatmanUniverse.net to help support the TVU server cost drive. Right, Tim? Are you, what are you, three for three now with smooth intros? <laughs> is, I'm pretty good, too. I think I got it down. I know. You don't even have to ask me how you're doing anymore, I think. It's just yeah. go right through it. But, I mean, I say that now. And yeah, I think up. you probably just jinxed it. Next episode's yeah. going to be all that stuff. <laughs> be like, hey, everybody, this is Alex. This, Oh, damn it, Tim, we got to do it over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and five tries later, we finally get yeah. it. <laughs> Well, then this will be the last episode where you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I guess we can just get right into our Dark Knight Runs minute by minute commentary, too. Because I know you're a little short on time here. So. Unfortunately, it's been one of those crazy busy work weeks. So, but I had to get the podcast in here no matter what, though. <laughs> it's, a little, it's even a little shorter. We have to get some of it in. Well, I mean, the podcast is kind of like. It's kind of like therapy in a way. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> Get you away um, from everything for a bit. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're doing minute 68 to 69. So uh, just queue up your um, beta tape, your VHS tape, your laser disc. I got it this time, too. Hey, I nice. got the laser disc. You got the intro right uh, and the laser disc. You're on a roll. Yeah, and, and don't forget your projector. Your projector copy of The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> If you have, um, and just queue it to the 68th minute, and I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? I am ready. All right, three, two, one, hit play. And Miranda Tate is in Bruce's house for some reason. <laughs> She's there to comfort him. Oh, I see. But in reality, it's just all part of her plan. Or her and Bane's plan, I should say. To get Bruce has less focused as he can be on that fight. That, so now that we're at this moment, it's going to be coming up pretty shortly. Yeah. I wonder how long it's going to take for that scene to happen. A few more minutes anyway. Yeah. And my player playing the Dark Knight Rises just stopped, so... <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I need, need to let me know when the minutes are. Because <laughs> I don't think I'll get it back up in time. <laughs> Okay, well, they're just kissing. So we're ready up. Okay, so ready up to that point. Then, yeah, we're gonna be by the fireplace, and after that, 
he's going to be out as Batman meeting Catwoman. So we're real close to that Bane fight now. Yeah, yeah. So so we're at the fireplace now, and you can you can see the um, the scar on her back. So, did you know what that was? I was kind of hoping. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it was going to tie into some League of Assassins story with Rachel Ghoul that, you know, she doesn't necessarily say that to Bruce yeah. while she's talking to her, but you'd kind of know what she's talking about of her, like, past of how she got it. But yeah, it yeah. It really came up again in the movie. It's weird doing a commentary for a good movie instead of uh, <laughs> Jaws, Jaws the Revenge. Oh, man. What an experience that was. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't really say it was a good experience. Yeah. <laughs> it um, just was an experience. Yeah, it just was an experience. But but hopefully you guys enjoyed that because we are never going to watch that movie again. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, one is good enough. I should say, in case anyone's wondering, know how we were talking about how we expect... I already forgot his name. Uh, Who? The Mario Van Yeah, how he gets yeah. eaten by the shark. But then we yeah. were expecting him to come back. Yeah, but he never does, and so I looked it up on YouTube. Where, well, what's the difference? Or what happened? There was actually two different cuts. There's like a international cut, and they were put on the Blu-rays and DVD releases, and then the theatrical cut, which is on Netflix, which is totally different. It makes the movie even worse because <laughs> you don't <laughs> show what happens after the boat sinks and all that. Like we said at the commentary, the boat gets wrecked, and all of a sudden you're just seeing them walking towards the plane, <laughs> all safe and sound. But in the international cut, they show it where, you know, after the ship sinks, there's wreckage. You, you see them out there in the in the water, climbing onto the wreckage, trying to make their way back to shore, find their friend who somehow survived the shark attack, even though it looked like there was no way he could survive. And then they move on to the end where she gets on a plane. So it, it doesn't make the movie any better, but it makes the ending play out where you don't scratch your head like, how they survive that? How they get off <laughs> the out of the water and into the land and she goes home safely, but... Yeah. The theatrical cut versus the extended international cut is not going to make the movie any better, but it barely makes it a little more sense at the end. <laughs> so the international version, the extended cut or whatever you want to call yeah. it, um, that is the one I had on VHS when I had a VHS copy. Okay. So... Was that ending on all the VHS copies and the DVD copies and the I guess Blu-ray? I don't know if it's yeah. on Blu-ray. But. Yeah, I think that's what it said like on YouTube and stuff. But for some reason, that's not the one they put on Netflix. I wonder why. I mean, that's such a bad ending. <laughs> well, maybe they just wanted a bad ending for a bad movie. Why Why add the extra few minutes that will yeah. file size, I guess, a little longer? No. <laughs> Take up no, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Um, but it's funny but the day we recorded that commentary was Batman yeah, Day yeah. oh it was? yeah <laughs> <laughs> so typical for our podcast that we would spend Batman Day, a Batman Day talking about Jaws the Revenge <laughs> <laughs> but I let the day I couldn't let the day go by without doing some Batman related stuff so I continued with uh Got read some comics to continue with my Batman the Animated Series rewatch. I'm almost finished with the original run of Batman the Animated Series before I get to the revamp, the new adventures back in that aired in 1997. But I got about four episodes left, and the ones I watched last Saturday was Second Chance and uh, Harley's Holiday. 
and watching those episodes, and something I've been noticing in this last season of Batman Animated Series original run, I wanted to see if you ever thought about this, Dane, was that a lot of the stories have to deal with Batman's, you know, Rose Gallery, either like being redeemed, being reformed, you know, trying to make their way back in society, given another chance to uh, stop with their criminal ways. And because there's several episodes that deal with that, like I mentioned, Second Chance deals with Two Face getting that surgery to remove the scarring to become Harvey Dent once again. Yeah. Harley's holiday, she completed her rehabilitation in Arkham. She's going back into society. Then you got the episode Riddler's Reform, where legally he you know, did the same thing as Harley, completed his rehabilitation. He's been given a job and made a business deal with that wacko toy company, but yet he still couldn't stop <laughs> with the riddles okay. in Batman, which makes him go back to crime. And the other episode was House and Garden with Poison Ivy, where she pretends to live a normal life with her family. And even though certain circumstances are different where they really are not giving up their criminal ways, and some are, like Harley and uh, Two-Face were trying to do, I just find it interesting that a lot of those episodes, for some of Batman's most popular villains, they're about them, you know, trying to make their way in society and giving up their crimes. So I wonder if you notice that in those episodes, because when you watch them for the first time, it's not because of when you watch them all in a row, it makes you it plays it drives on that point more, I think, when I was watching it now. So I'm just wondering if that's something you ever notice or if, no. <laughs> if I'm just <laughs> really. it to your attention now <laughs> that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, you are. But but it makes me think um, you said this was towards the end of uh, the original run of uh, the animated series. Um were they trying to wrap things up because they weren't sure if they were going to uh, be back? Yeah, that's a good point of maybe while they were doing it. Because some of them, they did leave it open-ended where, you know, they're still villains. But yet there's still hope that they can be, you know, fully redeemed and rehabilitated. Because the way Harley's Holiday ended it, or <laughs> ended it, <laughs> the way Harley's Holiday ended, it was like, yeah, she has to go back to Arkham just for a little bit. Even the doctor says, with just a little more work, you can be like, fully ready to join society again. So it ended where, like, yeah, she's probably, if this was it for her, you would kind of assume that she would go back into society just as a normal person, but trying to live a normal life. So that is a good point. I don't know if they actually specifically said that, but part of me kind of thinks that maybe that would play into it to kind of have a little closure on some of those characters. I wonder why, though, because wasn't the, the animated series really popular? When it, when it aired? Oh, yeah, but the, usually the run for an animated show at that time was about 65 episodes, and this one made it to yeah. 85. So oh. that was probably all they were expecting to, to do. And again, the one great thing about Batman and Robin, <laughs> giving us the 1997 <laughs> newer Batman adventures. So always got to give it credit for that. <laughs> if nothing else. But yeah, I, I just found that pretty interesting where a lot of those last episodes featuring Batman's Rose Gallery just has to deal with them, you know, the possibility of them giving up their criminal ways. And I think out of all of them, see, I, they're all good, but there's something about the way Harley's holiday ended that I really like. There's that last moment where she's going back into Arkham. She's all down because she really tried to, you know, make it as a living a normal life. In that moment where she tried to buy her dress, but the alarm went off and she thought <laughs> they were still accusing her of stealing it, even though they just need to take off the security tag. And, you know, she thinks she lost it where she tells 
uh, Batman at the end where like I can't even keep the new dress and I actually paid for it. <laughs> the Batman actually gives it to her when she's going up back into Arkham and he says that line where, you know, I know what it's like we're trying to rebuild a life. I had a bad day too once. Then she just plants that big kiss on in his face. <laughs> it's like it's total shock. So I love the way that Batman still, you know, is trying to help the criminals that he fought for so long and he knows case especially in that case with harley that she really did try to make it an effort to be good and he he wanted to make sure you know that she got kept that dress that she paid for legally which <laughs> was a big deal to her so that episode stands out to me even though there are some silly moments with uh veronica Vreeland's father driving around gotham with a big tank <laughs> and shooting up uh harley's car so there is some kind of ridiculous stuff in there but overall it's a Harley story that worked really well because it's the first time she was in an episode without the Joker and probably the first time that really showed she could make it on her own and just how much of a great character she is without the Joker being there. So I always felt that that was an important one. And you know, there's talk about a Harley Quinn spinoff movie possibly happening. And if they were needing a story to, you know, kind of take from, I think this would be a perfect one to tell a, a solo movie with harley where uh she's trying because well, i'm trying to think of the way suicide squad ended we know she went back with the joker but they could try to if whatever takes place later on the line if she's going to be in a batman movie verse if she's going to do another solo movie but i think it would be pretty cool to see her trying to make it on her own in society without moving past from her criminal ways and having to revert back in the struggles of you know making it through life without going back to her old ways like she was in that animated series episode so that one always stuck out for me as far as episodes that showing villains trying to do good and move on from their criminal ways but we'll see if that happens if not we always got that great fun episode i wonder why they just didn't wrap things up right there with uh with harley seems like a good ending yeah, it did, but at the same time, too, if you're going to do more episodes, you kind of want to have her still be with the Joker, <laughs> so I can see why. <laughs> I and, guess. But we got an even better like end episode with the Joker and Harley and Mad Love in the new Batman Adventures, so <laughs> I won't complain too much about that. So if, if you had to pick one, would you pick the original animated series or the new Adventures? You see, I'm one of think the few fans who prefer the new Batman Adventures over the animated series episode. I just love the tone of that series so much. It, it is different. It's a little more darker. You got Nightwing in it with Tim, the Tim Drake Robin. Batman's attitude is just <laughs> so like rough and stern more than he is using the animated series. I just love the attitude Batman has in this one. Pretty much no nonsense. And yeah, some of the designs aren't as good as the original animated series run, but I think there were some just flat out great episodes in this new Batman adventure. So I usually prefer those ones. I just wish there was more of them. You, you gotta stop being controversial Tim. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, if there was a diehard as, as diehard of a fan as you are listening to this right now, but they like the animated series better, the original animated series, they'd be really mad right now. Tim. <laughs> I'm sure there might be some out there. Hey, I like what I like. <laughs> I wonder if there's other fans like you where it's, you know, they're super, super into the animated series. Just the animated series. Oh, there's got to be. I definitely hope so. <laughs> I know there's yeah. some out there. 
because it's so good that I can't be the only one that holds it as high as I do. There's just no way. Yeah, you're the only one that has a podcast and just gushes over it every <laughs> single episode. <laughs> I think there's some podcasts that are just devoted to the animated series, so I know I can't be the only one out there yeah. who gushes. Oh, well, you mean like <laughs> like how there's like how there's like the Flash podcast or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there is a podcast called Batman the Animated Podcast. I believe. Really? Yeah. I haven't, had a, chance, to I haven't had a chance to listen to yeah. it though, but. I, I should definitely check it out though. It's about Batman the Animated Series. It's worth a listen, I think. <laughs> yeah, for it, I, I think that they they make that podcast for you too. <laughs> and here I am I'm listening to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. They don't know it, but they're just <laughs> they're just making that for you. Yep. So I just got four more episodes to go on my re- rewatch for the original run, and then I'm into the new Batman Adventures, which I can't wait to see again. It's kind of like I wanted, like I said before, I do a rewatch of the animated series whenever there's a new Batman movie coming out, or I try to, but I obviously didn't make it in time for what Batman v Superman came out, but in the end, it just made it nice where throughout this whole year of 2016, I just spaced it out with watching Batman the animated series, so by the time 2016 is over, I'll probably finish, and to me, that's not bad. <laughs> it wasn't my plan, but it worked out pretty nice for it. I just had this whole year of going through Batman the animated series again. Why, just to do a rewatch on it? For, uh, for for every episode? Yeah, just what I've been doing this year. Jeez, Tim. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I don't know when I'll do it again, but like I said, it's like I try to do it for every new Batman movie, so whenever the solo one gets announced as a yeah. real estate, that's probably when I'll do it again. You kind of like those people that uh, rewatch um, all the Star Wars movies in one day? <laughs> You ever seen those people? Oh yeah, I mean, I'd still need to do that one day. I just, I need it to be the perfect condition. I need it to be all. I need it to be at night. That's the problem because I don't like watching movies <laughs> in the daytime. So, so it has to be somewhere I'd stay up pretty much throughout most of the night. <laughs> yeah, to the next day. Exactly. Then go to sleep at six o'clock in the morning. It's <laughs> gonna get harder and harder because there's a new Star Wars movies every year now. So it's just gonna get longer yeah. and longer. <laughs> I wonder if anybody does that, or I wonder if there's fans of uh, Lord of the Rings that do that for like the extended cuts of those movies. There's got to be, yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah. That'd be fun too to do. Like, <laughs> probably even longer, but still, <laughs> it would be fun. Yeah, there's, <laughs> I don't think there's enough hours. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got the Lord of the Rings extended cuts and the Hobbit extended cuts. Yeah, yeah and the Hobbit's uh, extended cuts. Have you watched those, the, the extended cuts? Mm hmm. Are they any good? Yeah, or... I find them superior to the theatrical versions. Those are the only ones I'll, the only ones I'll actually watch. It seemed like nobody really cared about uh, the Hobbit uh, uh, movies. They they definitely made their money, but they definitely weren't as well received as the Lord of the Rings trilogy was. But yeah, I really like them. I know they there was a little maybe more CG than I think people were expecting for. Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movie because just what he did in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy just all the orcs you know well I shouldn't say all of them most of them were just you know costumes and like practical effects stuff so I think when you saw he used, relied more on CG for the orcs and creatures it took a little took some people back I think and you could definitely tell a difference it doesn't hurt the movie for me but it definitely makes it feel different than the original Lord of the Rings yeah 
Yeah, but 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 didn't they split like the last one? Or there's supposed to be only two movies, but then they split the last one. I mean, the second one into two. Yeah, they made it three instead of two, which that was another thing I think rubbed people the wrong way. Where the book yeah. really wasn't that long, and two was maybe <laughs> even stretching it, but to make it into the three. But oh, so so Peter Jackson was just adding stuff to it. Yeah, he added a lot to it. Oh, but it had to see, deal with elves and stuff, and I loved the elves, so I actually didn't mind it. Uh, what's the name of the the place that the elves live in? The well, they live in different spots. The one in the Fellowship of the Ring, this yeah. Rivendell, where Elrond lives, with and the it, waterfall, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then where Legolas comes from, he's they live in a forest called Mirkwood. What about Cate uh, Blanchett? Yeah, they live in uh, Lothlorien. That's the name of their forest. All right. So, so with that said, who are those? Elf people that are going off to the the ship place. Well, all the, get... all the elves are going to be going there eventually, but you mean the ones in the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring? Yeah, yeah. W- w- where are those elves from? Well, that's a good question. I want to say... <laughs> I want to say Rivendell, because they don't look like the Mirkwood elves, but I'm not 100% sure. I can you tell I think, where the elves are from? I think by the clothes they wear, they're a little different. Oh, oh, I see. See, I was just saying, I get, I had a chance to show off my Lord of the Rings fandom, and <laughs> I, there's something I couldn't answer for you. <laughs> now I look like a fraud. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's only one thing. <laughs> Believe me, there's a lot of the Lord of the Rings lore that I do not know. <laughs> I wish I did, but Star Wars and Batman are the two things that I really like to know as much as possible but the other stuff yeah. i really like and love but i can't delve too much of my time into like <laughs> knowing everything it'd just be impossible well i think i was reading something where like um i think whoever wrote it was comparing it to uh star wars where uh not everything is really explained in the movies mm-hmm. yeah but just- like but in Lord of the Rings, uh, everything is explained. Everything is written down. Everything has an explanation. Yeah, there's tons of like history and lore. Just at the end of the Return of the King, there's this whole long appendix that tells you the history of Middle-earth and even what happens after the end of Return of the King. Then you got the other book, the Similarian. Probably pronouncing it wrong, but <laughs> Similarian, I yeah. think. That tells the history of how Middle Earth began and the different races came to be. So oh. there's tons and tons of stuff. <laughs> I wonder which one is longer. Um, all of the Lord of the Rings um, anthologies or whatever, the, the, the three books, the, that book that you, you just mentioned, and all that stuff. I wonder if that's longer than uh, Game of Thrones. Mm. Or... Sorry, A Song of Ice and Fire. Well, I, th- I think in the end, A Song of Ice and Fire will be. Loving how big those books are, <laughs> and there's two, yeah. still two more on the way. I think that's going to end up being longer. Yeah, and plus too, like they might do that thing where um, they they give the um, they give the franchise to another author, and the the other author can write about it. Yeah, if they want money. <laughs> yeah. 
they'll probably want as much stories as they can. And I think they might be <laughs> prequel stories to the Song of Ice and Fire too. After he's George R. R. Martin's done with us, yeah, he's talk about it too. So I'm sure there'll be more coming, <laughs> and I'm sure uh, uh, Warner Brothers wants more Lord of the Rings stories from. I know uh, from see their. I think their relationship with the Tolkien estate is a little. Not very good. Yeah, <laughs> I know they're not too happy with the movie, so I don't know how much more they can do with what's already there. And I don't think yeah. they have any like the Tolkien estate's going to. I mean, they might. I'm not sure because I think there are some notes and stuff of other story ideas that Tolkien probably had that maybe someone else could finish up and release other books. But I'm not quite sure how extensive those are. If it's even you know something that they have planned, but I'm sure Warner Brothers yeah. would love that so they can make more movies. <laughs> Didn't his son write a book? I think he helped finish the Similarian, the one I was talking about. Oh, so yeah, there was a new one, right? That, uh, not so long ago, uh, ago. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember hearing anything about oh. it. It's like cho- Children of Kurt Hurin or something. Huh. And you might be right, but it's not ringing a bell. Do, do I know more about Lord of the Rings <laughs> than you do, Sam? Maybe did, for did I? <laughs> Uh, merchandise that's out or new books of stuff <laughs> maybe you do but uh, well I take pride in that then. Right, you got one up on me on Lord of the Rings <laughs> um, but anyway um, we don't really have a lot to um, or for, for our news section so uh, the only thing we have is the new image of the tactical bat suit which I don't know. It doesn't look very good to me. I don't know. It just it's the goggles, I think. Um, and we got a picture of Commissioner Gordon uh, from Justice League. He's standing next to the bat signal, and there's like a weird piece of plastic or something floating <laughs> in the way. Yeah, I mean, this is cool to get, regardless of you know the different opinions that I'm sure a lot of Batman fans have on them. But the Batman one, the tactical suit, yeah, it's not my favorite. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to be wearing it that much in the movie, probably for just one sequence. Because this image, what's cool about it, because we talked about uh, the Fox, his big ship that he's going to have, where him and the other Justice League members are going to travel in, and the Batmobile is going to be uh, kept in there as well. And it looks like that's where he is. And he's about to release the Batmobile from the Fox and probably go into it. Or maybe it's the that other new vehicle is going to have. I forget the name of what they're going to call it, but kind of they describe it as having like spider legs where he's going to hunt down some parademons with. So maybe he's going to, that he has to wear that suit to drive that new vehicle or something new in the Batmobile that he's going to have to use that tactical suit in. So yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people have said this, it kind of uh, reminds me of Night Owl from Watchmen with the goggles and more so than <laughs> a Batman suit. But in the end, yeah. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because he's probably just going to wear it for one sequence. So the part of it looks good, but the goggles, yeah, could probably could deal with that. But the Commissioner Gordon one, uh, I think that's a really cool image, and this is something Zack Snyder tweeted out on Batman Day last week. And I said it before when I first saw uh, Gary Oldman as Gordon in the first image they released for Batman Begins. It was like, oh man, it's like Gordon being brought to life. He looks perfect. And I'm getting that vibe here with J.K. Simmons. And this is more of a classic Gordon, and mainly because of the hat that he wears we have yet to see gordon in a movie where he wears this classic hat so it definitely has a classic commissioner gordon feel the mustache and the glasses the 
trench coat, and then you got the classic hat on there. So it's definitely another version of Gordon that's being ripped from the pages of the comic and being brought onto screen. So I think he looks great. So uh, the Batman image, it was cool to get, but not my favorite suit. And the Gordon one was an awesome <laughs> reveal to get. So I was happy yeah. with both of them. Kind of reminds me of Batman and Robin in a sense, you know, because they had how many bat suits in that one? Two? Two or three. I can't remember if it was two or three. At the least two, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And all um, horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because in, uh, in Batman and Robin, at the end, uh, they, they have that fight, and then <laughs> they apparently go home and change costumes and run. They change out of it and uh, change into their silver ones. But I don't know, it kind of reminds me of Batman and Robin where uh, in Batman vs. Superman, we have three different bat suits in that. We have the the regular one, uh, we have the Desert Batman, and we have the armor uh, the armor suit, right? And now we have another one. Uh, we have a new bat suit, and now we have this bat suit. So that's six bat suits <laughs> in two movies. Well, the good thing about these suits is that pretty much all of them look awesome. Minus, you know, this new one of the tactical suit not yeah. looking that great. But the rest I love. So <laughs> it's not like there's five different suits and they all look bad. Like the Schumacher yeah. Batman <laughs> costumes that yeah. go back to forever also. Oh, so you didn't like, uh, you didn't like the um, tactical bat suit then? Yeah, this, the new one you're talking about, right? With the goggles? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean... It's not my favorite. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't necessarily love it either. It's just, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not... I could, I'll take it for the scene that it's going to be in, but it's not going to be my favorite, that's for sure. Oh, I see. And, um, yeah, as for Commissioner Gordon, it looks like Gordon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you just see a good actor, and he has to look like Commissioner Gordon from the comics. Um So, yeah, I, that, that, that's all of our news for this episode. Uh, we're going to wait... To review the episode two of the Batman um, Telltale game series because Tim hasn't played it yet. Yeah, How sorry, you, it's, Tim? it's my fault. But <laughs> I haven't played it yet. So definitely gonna have yeah. it done and played through by our next episode. That's for sure. And like I said, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about it, about it, especially the beginning. I know. I like I, we were talking about before we started recording. I've heard great things yeah. about it. But now, with what you're telling me about the beginning, I'm definitely intrigued, but a little worried to see how it's going to play out. (laughs) So, you'll definitely hear my reactions on the next episode for it. We will see. Um, But anyway, I I guess we can move on to our conversation with Alex slash uh, listener feedback. And Alex actually has two emails this time. Uh, He says, Yo, Bat Buds. Thanks again for... How does he keep on coming up with the, uh, with his uh, intro? <laughs> hey, the same way he keeps coming up with his good questions. Different oh, yeah. ones for every email. So. That's funny. Oh, and I didn't send this one to you. So. No, you didn't. So I'm very curious to uh, see how long it's going to take me to answer these questions <laughs> now. So <laughs> bear with uh, me you, when I hear him. And Alex says, "Thanks again for another awesome podcast episode. I got to say that I agree with the praise for Michael Ironside's Batman. So I will." I agree with the praise from Michael Ironside's Batman. 
although I find your lack of faith in Deathstroke disturbing. Isn't it a good thing that your dad doesn't know who Deathstroke is? Heck, my dad didn't know Darth Vader was Luke's father. He didn't know. He didn't even know who Luke Skywalker was. Uh, the Force Awakens was his first Star Wars movie. After talking to him about about it, it's going to be his last. He can't stand any fantasy. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Tim's heart is breaking, right? <laughs> it has sunk right now. You got you got some work to do, Alex. You gotta convert your dad to become a Star Wars fan. <laughs> My brother's almost the same way. Oh. Although <laughs> <laughs> So that's two, Alex. That's two people you gotta work on. <laughs> people. Um, although my dad's got one up one up on him since my brother refused to see Star Wars. Wow. So I guess <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's better to go with the villains your dad knows than mine. So far, I can't disagree with your assessments, Tom King's Batman, but I'm still liking it. I only got into it because I didn't see Suicide Squad, but because I read online uh, that Bane was coming, and I didn't want to miss anything that had to do with him. He needs me, Dane. He needs me. (laughs) (laughs) He used to be my favorite comic book character after Batman, Spider-Man, and Mary Jane. Batman comics are a nonsensical mess, so I'm glad King's not taking it so seriously. Although Batman fighting monsters is beyond the pale, so I'm just waiting for Batman number 9. I'm hoping Bane comes back in a big bad way, but if it's not for me, I'll just wait for Batman and Spider-Man movies for, for my superhero fix. I'm more than covered with those things. But I really hope Bane is well-written because I love that character. I wish they stopped with the Venom pump stuff but because he only used it for one story and he became way cooler after getting over his drug addiction and vengeance of uh, Bane too. Or at least I thought he did. Did I mention that I like Bane? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you have to send another email just telling us how much you love Bane. (laughs) That would help us really understand how much you love him. In regards to my Halloween costumes, I'd say it was a pretty diverse lineup. Besides Zorro and Robin Hood, I dressed as Batman, Spider-Man, the Joker, the Invisible Man. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> well, probably just where he just has like bandages over his face with the trench coat and hat and sunglasses. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, I thought he got like his dad to go around, um, and he stayed home and like <laughs> if the. <laughs> Or he rang the doorbell and he'd hide and just start yeah. talking that he's invisible. <laughs> he'd just leave his bag on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a mime, the Wolfman, Davy Crockett, a no-good hippie, uh, <laughs> Corey Taylor from Slipknot, a hobbit, a ghoul, Wolverine, Ghostface, and a buccaneer. Uh, the... <laughs> The irony in the Invisible Man costume was that since I was wearing sunglasses at night, everyone was invisible to me. That's funny. Also, in retrospect, I was pretty fortunate to get away with carrying a gun as the Joker. Someone complimented me on it being a great Hulk costume, so those were definitely different times. Young Alex was would never believe how popular superheroes are nowadays. Young Alex would also never believe how nerdy I became. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to me? I need an intervention. 
Uh, we're right there with you, Alex, as far as <laughs> growing up more nerdier than we were as kids. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, Alex has questions. So his first question is, yeah. what are some George, yeah. What are some George Costanza-esque moments you've had in your life? Dane's stealth brush shopping story felt like a lost episode. Yeah, that's right. And I'm just wondering if you guys had any, any other stories like that. So, so let me understand, Tim. What is a George Costanza? Yeah, it's Costanza. Costanza-esque moment. He gets put in these weird situations, awkward situations that he you know, tries to get out of or sneak his way. It's uh, getting something or getting out of something, making excuses and lies or it's stuff like that. Like <laughs> that instance where you have, oh, I see. <laughs> have to buy that bra or something. Yeah, yeah. It's fit right <laughs> into an episode of Seinfeld. Actually, I do have one. It's oh, you actually, do? It's actually still going on. <laughs> you see, the comic shop that I go to, uh, the comic book store uh, manager, like about five years ago, a new manager took over. And the name on the pull list was my brother's he was the one yeah. who made me get the comics and we split it but like he so he got sick five years ago and wasn't able to go so i would go and pick up the comics and everything and i still do but his name is still on the pull list as sal so when the new manager took over I thought, <laughs> oh i should probably tell uh, sal was my yeah. brother's name my name is tim uh, to change the names like okay he never did it he kept calling me sal then <laughs> another time i kind of said yeah my, oh my name's actually tim like okay the, like a few other times i go back he's still calling me sal so you know what i'm just gonna go by sal now <laughs> <laughs> so i yet to tell him that again that you know it's sal is actually my brother my name's tim but he still calls <laughs> me sal and i'm running with it <laughs> i played with it so much where i always pay in cash so I don't use my debit, which would have Tim on there. Because <laughs> so, I figure five years now, it's going to be weird if he goes, oh, your name's actually Tim. You never told me. But it's like, I actually did say it. <laughs> so, 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 what, so what if one day you're too lazy to get cash and you got to go to the comic store? Do you use your debit card? No, I always make it to the ATM first. That's <laughs> just part of my trip to the comic shop. <laughs> So now it's like, I'm just going to see how long I can keep this up as far as going yeah. through the name Sal. So that actually, is the George Costanza thing that I'm going through right now, Alex. Yeah. I was about to say, I actually have a similar to, uh, story to that. So uh, I was going to this music class, right? This was a long time ago. And, um, you know, I introduced myself to the teacher. And I'm like, hey, my name is Jane. And blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we do the class. And I come back the next time. And he's calling me Lance. Right? <laughs> yeah, Lance. And uh, I go, oh, no, no, my My name's not Dane. My name is Lance. And he, he's, oh, oh, yeah, that's right, Dane. And then during that class, he's calling me Lance. Like, he totally forgot that, my <laughs> name, that I told him earlier in the class that my name was Dane. And... After a while, it, it was just one of those things where it's, like you said, where it's, you know, okay, fine, my name is Lance. I'm just going to say Lance. My name is Lance, right? And uh, what we used to do was there's, there were other people there, and we would break off into groups or bands, and, and he would post the list of who's in each band or a group or whatever. Uh-huh. And I'm looking, for, I'm trying to look for my name and like, <laughs> like, I would totally forget. 
oh, that's right. I go by Lance in, <laughs> in this class. <laughs> oh, man. It's not one of those things where you, I mean, you just keep on trying to explain that your name is what your name is, and they just don't remember yeah. what you're... <laughs> I, mean, I just wonder, where does it get Lance from Dane? <laughs> they sound nothing yeah. alike. I don't know. Like, I, I was like, oh, you know, my name is Dane, and blah, blah, you know, those, that, that usual introduction thing. And he's calling me Lance. <laughs> I mean, was there somebody that looked like me named Lance? I know, maybe. <laughs> he just associates you with someone he remembers being named Lance. I guess so, but... Um, so yeah, that that's my George Costanza esque moment. Yeah, you got two more Seinfeld episodes right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more of those moments that I've gone through in my life, but that's the one that still I remember for some reason because it's just one of those, like if somebody tells you, I mean, if you get somebody's name wrong and they tell you their name. Wouldn't you remember that name? I know, especially if you correct it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, his second question is: Who's your favorite anthropomorphic animal? I'm going with Snoopy. I can't fathom a person on planet Earth who doesn't like him. That's how you detect if someone's an alien. Actually, I can't even imagine a xenomorph not liking Snoopy. <laughs> also, sorry. <laughs> Also, sorry Han Solo, but Snoopy's the best pilot in the galaxy. If it wasn't that, I'd say Snoopy's the Omega Man. I bet he could even take down Darth Vader. Right, Tim? Uh. Tim? Right. And you're killing me on the Star Wars stuff in your emails this episode, Alex. <laughs> yeah, for me, how can I not go with the Ninja Turtles? I mean, of course I have to pick them. But if it has to just be one turtle, it's going to be Leonardo, my favorite. The leader in blue with the katana is the best weapon, so my favorite anthropomorphic animal character. <laughs> How could you not, Tim? I know. Um, let's see. My favorite anthropomorphic uh, animal. How about the shark from Jaws 4? The Revenge. <laughs> he roars, right? <laughs> We Sharks. forgot to bring that up in the commentary. That's yeah. right. He did roar. <laughs> he roars. So technically, he spoke. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Alex sent another email. And he says, hey, guys, thanks for such an awesome commentary. I've been a bit down lately, but you guys, as always, break my spirits. I've never seen Jaws 3. Am I... <laughs> Am I in trouble if I say that I didn't see the original Jaws, Tim? No, you just got to make sure you do see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you must have been real troopers to go through it based on your ratings. Uh, 0.5 out of 5 is like uh, praying for death bad. <laughs> I don't have a Netflix account, but I know the first thing I'll be watching if I get one. Anything but that. Uh, I'm kidding. You guys, you guys made the movie seem very entertaining. Where were you when I had to watch *Son of the Mask*? Oh man, was that really bad? I heard it's really bad. I've never oh. seen it, but it's always on the top ten list of worst movies ever. <laughs> also, that was the revenge. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just found out Batman. I just found out about Batman Day, and I would have wished you a good one if I knew about it. 
Well, at least I got you guys for Plastic Man's anniversary. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Uh, did you do anything special for it? Thanks to you guys, I think of every other Thursday as Batman Day, and I can't think of a better way to celebrate Batman. Honestly, if I had to choose between never reading or watching a new Batman a comic or movie and listening to your podcast, I choose you guys in a heartbeat because I'm guaranteed awesomeness. <laughs> oh, man, much too kind, Alex. Much too kind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe I would hesitate a bit on nightfall on the nightfall uh, adaptation. I'll die happy the day I see Joker and Scarecrow eating potato chips on the big screen. <laughs> that would so, be amazing. <laughs> he says, "Take care, Alex." Well, thank you, Alex, for your email and your nice comments, and, and for listening to the commentary. We know it's all, yeah. it wasn't for nothing. Now, <laughs> <laughs> at least one person listened to it. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Alex, for your email. We always enjoy reading them and answering your questions. Uh, but now we have an email from uh, Jordan. So, Tim, did you want to read that one? Yep, got it up right now. And Jordan says, Hey, Tim and Dane. Hope you both had a great Batman Day 16. I'm a little bit conflicted about the Deathstroke news as well. Listen, I'm a huge fan of the character. The character was the best part of the original uh, Teen Titans animated series. And Manu Bennett's Deathstroke performance is only behind Heath Ledger's Joker and Margot Robbie's Harley on my list of favorite live-action DC villains. I'd be thrilled to see him in the solo Batfleck. Batfleck. Batflick. <laughs> Again, those two words, it's impossible to say twice in a row real fast. <laughs> Did he do that on purpose? Batflick, Batflick. <laughs> uh, why not? <laughs> uh, just not as the primary villain. Batman has the best rogues gallery in comics, and it seems like a missed opportunity to use a villain that I feel like is more of a Titans villain. It would appeal to me a lot more to have a Batman-exclusive villain as the main antagonist. One scenario that I heard someone mention that I'd be totally on board with is if Deathstroke is hired by Hush. Hush is one of the villains at the top of my solo Batfleck, Batflick wishlist, and I think I could totally work for him to send Deathstroke after Batman. Yeah, I think that could work too, especially... I think Hush would fit in if they are trying to go, you know, like I said before, that those rumors of having a lot of Batman villains in this solo Batman movie, whether it's going to be an Arkham and some other scenario. And if they're going to do that, part of me thinks maybe they will use Hush as that main villain for that, too. So I could see that happening if they decide to go that route with Deathstroke, Hush, Hiram, and all that. So that's not, I think, so far out of the realm of possibilities. And Jordan continues saying, okay, I've got a response to one of Alex's questions from the last episode, because it was a really fun one. My five coolest Batman moments. Number five, Batman knows pain from year one. One of the best moments of a criminal being absolutely terrified of Batman. Batman comes into Jefferson Skeever's room and just lets him know who's Voss. Him telling Skeever's that nothing harms him reinforces the idea of some criminals have that he isn't human, which I've always liked. I think Ben McKenzie's delivery of those lines in the year one animated movie is spot on as well. Number four, Batman puts on the cowl for the first time, Mask of the Phantasm. The scene gives me chills every time. I have the exact same reaction as Alfred does. It's such a powerful scene because the one person who Bruce felt he could live a happy life with just left him and there's no turning back from him in terms of becoming Batman anymore. It's the birth of the Batman persona. Number three, Batman fixes the autopilot on the bat, The Dark Knight Rises. A great example of Batman always being prepared and defying all odds. Everyone thought he was surely dead, and yet he had the foresight to fix the autopilot to save Gotham and himself. Love that Bale's Batman got a happy ending. Number two, 
Batman takes out Falcone, Falcone's men at the docks. Batman begins. The scene gets me so excited every time I watch the movie because we finally see Bruce in costume. And what an introduction he makes. Seeing Batman sneak up on the thugs one by one is fantastic. Also, both the where are you here and the I'm Batman lines are perfect. And his number one choice, Batman defeats Superman, the Dark Knight Returns. The fight every Bat fan references in a Batman versus Superman argument. Batman tells Superman to never forget the one man who beat him, and neither will I. Just an epic fight, and Batman's monologue is chilling. Yeah, great choices there, Jordan. The ones you mentioned at the top with uh, from year one where Batman knows pain, that is a great one that I didn't think of. But when I saw and read your email, it made me realize, yeah, that is a good, great moment. Not only in the comics, but in the movie, too. Because like you said, Ben McKenzie does a great job of delivering that line. And of course, the moment in Phantasm. That would definitely make my top ten Batman moments. I actually put it on uh, a video I made years ago of my top ten favorite animated Batman moments. Because that one, like you said, is just a chilling scene. And just, you know, seeing Batman for the first time and Alfred's reaction. And then knowing the Batman we're going to get by seeing him in episodes of the animated series just makes it awesome. So yeah, definitely a good list there. And then he goes on to say, that is in no way my definitive list, as there are so many Batman moments I think are cool. But those are the first five that came to mind. I was very intrigued by your picks for your favorite Batman and Joker voice actors other than Conroy and Hamill. I'm surprised to hear Tim liked Ironside's The Dark Knight Returns Batman presumably better than Peter Weller's. I thought Ironside was good, but I love Weller as old Batman. Also, I'm not a fan of Bader's Batman, to be honest. I really like the episode Chill of the Night, but it's nothing like the rest of the series, and neither is Bader's performance in it. I totally agree with Tim about how fantastic O'Mara and Greenwood are. Greenwood's performance in the confrontation between Batman and the Red Hood at the end of Under the Red Hood movie is one of the greatest pieces of Batman dialogue ever, and he was fantastic in a supporting role in Young Justice, too. Wow, Dane and I have had extremely similar picks. The reason I only had Baker at number three on my Joker list is because he's basically just doing a Hamill impersonation. It's a fantastic Hamill interpretation, or interpretation, but I brought him down a few notches because Emerson and DiMaggio both did something more original. One more reason to catch up on the two latest Batman Unlimited films, though, is because Baker voices the Joker in both. I talked to Tim a bit on Twitter. Uh, he says, I talked to Tim about it on Twitter a little bit, but let me just reiterate how much I love Batman number six, a fantastic end to my favorite Batman arc to come out since Hush. Gotham Girl talking to her brother as she took down criminals was so heart-wrenching, and that final rooftop scene where Batman reveals who he is to her was one of the best examples of the very caring side of Batman. I found it to be really an emotional issue, and one that cemented the I Am Gotham arc on one of the all-time greats in my book. Yeah, well, I can't argue on how great that final moment was in Batman number 6. It really was something really cool to read with Batman and Gotham Girls, but... Yeah, you know, you heard my reviews on the other podcasts where I don't have the I Am Gotham story arc as high as you do, but there was definitely great moments throughout that story where I could see how you could have it very high on your list. And he goes on, I just read the books on my pull list for the week, Justice League number five and Batman number seven. I don't know if you guys have been reading Justice League Rebirth, but I have been less than impressed with it personally. The last issue of this first arc was provided a pretty excited finale to it. But it felt like this arc was a story that could have fit into maybe two issues instead, it just, or instead it just got dragged out. There were too many issues where it didn't feel like that very much happened. As for the beginning of Night of the Monster Men and Batman 7, I enjoyed it pretty well, but Monsters wreaking havoc on Gotham isn't really my cup of tea. 
he says, spoilers, but Batman's insistence on not letting anyone die during the attack was the best part of the issue, though, as he kept referencing back to Tim's death as, he's, as his reason for emphasizing it. I know this wasn't going to live up to I Am Gotham for me, but I could, it could have done a little more for me than it did. Yeah, I'm with you on Justice League. I haven't gotten my comics yet for this week, so I haven't read Justice League 5 or 7. So I am glad to hear Justice League kind of has an exciting finale, but I'm right with you. The story arc hasn't been that great, especially coming off of John's run from the New 52. So I'm definitely hoping that picks up. And then Jordan has two questions as well. He goes, now that Zack Snyder has revealed a picture of Batman's new tactical suit, how would you rank Batman's four DCEU costumes so far? I have really liked all of them, to be honest, especially because I think it's cool that we're getting different bat suits for different purposes. But my personal preference in terms of designs is number four, the tactical suit, number three, the armored suit, number two, the main BVS suit, and number one, the main Justice League suit. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with number four, the tactical suit as well. And then number three, I'm going to go with the new main Justice League suit. It's pretty similar to the Batman v Superman one, but it is a little darker. and I do like the more lighter grain tone to it. And then number two, I'm going to go with the armored suit that he wore in Batman v Superman to fight Superman. Just the classic Dark Knight Returns look that looked awesome in live action. And then number one, the main BVS suit. Just Batman costume perfection <laughs> on live action. Just so much so comic book accurate it just looked like it left off the page and i geeked out you've heard me geek out so much on this pocket so much i love that batman <laughs> superman suit so that's definitely number one right uh for me four is the tactical suit uh three is probably the bvs suit two is the armored suit and one is this new justice league suit really you like that one more than the bvs yeah suit. Yeah, I really liked that one. Because I, I felt that the gray didn't really match up, I don't know, with the black, you know? Really? Hmm. It was too light of a gray, I think. I don't think we, we haven't had that debate yet, <laughs> as far as yeah. the main <laughs> I just kept saying how but I love it, how perfect it is, but... Maybe I just gushed yeah. about it too much, I never gave you the chance to give me your take on it, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and I like the all black, so hey, I'm yeah. I'm one of those people. Hey, those first two Michael Keaton costumes are awesome, yeah. Yeah. And Jordan's second question is, do you think we'll ever see an extended Justice League roster in live action, all the Justice League Unlimited animated series? I feel like the Arrowverse has a pretty large number of DC superheroes at this point, and they're introducing the Justice Society on Legends of Tomorrow this year, but they haven't established the Justice League yet. And they're also missing three of the most important heroes, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern. Obviously, in the first Justice League movie in 2017, we're probably just getting the six heroes that have been announced. But perhaps further down the line in the DCEU, this could be a possibility? Well, for me, I mean, I would think that would be cool if they did something like Justice League Unlimited, but that'd be way down the line, and I'm not going to hold my breath because we're not even getting Green Lantern in the first Justice League movie, who's such a mainstay character of the Justice League so I know why they're not using him yet but still if they're going to take a while just to introduce him I think it's going to be a long time before we get an expanded roster so I think you're all right though that we're probably going to see a bigger roster maybe they won't be called Justice League but probably we'll see a team in the TV universe with Arrow, Flash and Legends of Tomorrow because their roster is already getting big so probably not until Justice League four or five in the movies, I think we're going to see a big roster of different heroes. 
thank you, Jordan, for the email. As always, uh, we appreciate the questions and your thoughts on all the topics we discussed on the last episode. And we'll look forward to your next email on the next one. All right. So with that, uh, we can move on to our comic book reviews. And like we say at the beginning of every single comic book review section, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. So if you haven't read your books yet, uh, pause it right here. We'll wait for you. Right, Tim? Yep. I'll go ahead and make a sandwich, get something to eat, then I'll come back. <laughs> um, and read your books and then come back to the section. Uh, but for this uh, episode, we're reviewing Detective Comics number 940, also our Batman number 2, and Wonder Woman number 6. So our rating scale is going to be... Oh, Tim, what is it? How about <laughs> different cuts of Jaws of Revenge that won't make the movie any better <laughs> that'll be it okay. so with that uh detective comics number 940 tim and i'm anxious to hear what you think about it detective comics 940 i simply loved it probably oh, my favorite issue of this new detective comics run there was just so much great stuff about it of course the big thing going into it was are we going to see the death of tim drake and what's a concern that i said on other episodes where they, we just got this great team dynamic, and I'd hate to see it be broken up with the death of one of the best characters. So I was a little weary going into it, but had confidence that it would play out in a cool way, and it definitely did. But I just every, every moment of this issue was good. There was that great moment at the confrontation between Batwoman and her father, uh, finally, you know, <laughs> taking him in. I loved how he was planning to escape by using this new teleportation technology, but. Batwoman just wasn't going to have it. She just instead pushes him out the window and just you know uses a grapple rope to take him to another roof, and she just punches him out, taking him into custody. So that was a really cool moment for Batwoman, especially all the stuff that builds up to that with her father that we saw in the flashbacks and previous issues. So that was cool. And then we get the moment of Tim Drake. He defeated the first wave of drones, but it took a, a lot out of him. He just winded and just can't pretty much go on and do anything else. But there's a second wave coming, and Tim kind of knows this is it, and that's where he starts saying goodbye. There's a lot of great stuff that Tim said here. I just loved it. I mean, first he tells Bruce. I just love how he says, tell them I'm sorry and how much Dick, Jason, and Damien, Alfred, how much they all meant to me. And just to Bruce, just telling them thank you. I just love that. Just, you're, it's now something natural that Tim would say in this moment. The thing that's important to him, you know, of course, Bruce Alfred and then the other Robins that came before him. So I love that he was showing, you know, the appreciation for that legacy and how much they meant to him. And then he goes to say goodbye to Stephanie Brown saying how, you know, the last few months they've had together have been incredible. And, you know, that uh, he wanted her in his life. But then he says the final goodbye was saying, I love you. And then that's it. We get that splash page where all those laser beams are just flying out over him and he's just getting torn up when I read it like oh no are they actually doing it uh, <laughs> so then the next page after I just love seeing everyone's expressions Clayface is sad face you got Duke and Alfred in the back cave then you got uh, Cassandra Kane just crying on uh, a rooftop with lightning in the background Dick has a shocked face on him and then you get Batman going to the wreckage and he just picks up Tim's staff where he just says that look of grief on his face and then Batwoman comes in telling him that she has her father and that she's going to hand him over to Argus. But then I love uh, Bruce's response to say, no, take him to the 
the Belfry to the holding cells. And he goes, he'll answer for what he's done. He'll answer to me. So I wish we would have got to see <laughs> Batman interrogating a Batwoman's father, but maybe we'll get that later on. But I just love Bruce's response. But then the best moment in the issue where you see, if we go back to spoilers apartment, Stephanie Brown's just crying. And then Batman enters the room, just kind of checking up on her to make sure he's okay. And he's telling her, you know, Tim, um, he made a great sacrifice. All the greatest heroes do, and he'll be remembered. And then Stephanie's like, oh, no, you don't understand what he was going to do. And that's where she reveals that Tim was going to take that uh, offer he got from the Ivy University in that grant. And I just love the artwork here where you see the expression on Bruce's face and the eyes that are going through in his cow. And you see, I love how the, the drawing is where you see his hands drop the letter and you could just see his hands are trembling and shaking i just love the effect that how this was drawn that gave you that moment of how shocked bruce was at this and then just the look on his face where he just turns his back on stephanie brown and his head's down and then there's no words spoken here but i loved how the panels were laid out where you see stephanie actually still crying you see bruce turn his head slightly towards her then you see both their hands grabbing out and reaching for each other and then the next page is just an awesome moment of bruce comforting stephanie as she's crying in his arms and even batman looks like he's about to cry so just an awesome emotional moment that was pretty similar to the one we got in batman last uh, episode with gotham girl but this one even more so because this is tim drake someone who's been a main member of the bat family for a long time so if this was it for tim drake and he did die it was a great send-off and you know i love seeing the reaction that batman and stephanie had for it it was just handled really well done by james tinian but we kind of get the best of both worlds here because we got to see some great emotional moments in the impact Tim Drake's death would have on the Bat family and Batman, but he's still alive, so <laughs> we still got that. And we get revealed that he was transported into this holding cell where there's this being who we don't know who he is yet, but he's heavily involved in action comics and with Superman and is definitely gathering pieces for some grand plan that you know is going to involve Superman, but now... Tim Drake is here and he says, you know, you're alive, but to everyone else that you care about and love, you you are dead to them right now. And he says, we just need to take take you off the playing field, so to speak. And Tim just yells that, you know, my friends are going to come. This isn't over. So great issue. Great send off for Tim Drake, but yet he's not dead. So we don't have to worry about that. I just loved it. Some great moments here throughout. I'm going to give it five out of five different cuts of Jaws of Revenge that don't make the movie any better. I loved it. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and I agree with you. Um, this was a great issue, especially since they killed off Tim Drake, right? Mm -hmm. But he's not really dead, and I think it's gonna have it's gonna be a big crossover, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's what they're gonna lead up to, right? Yeah, it certainly sounds that way. We just don't know what this character, this being's plan is, so I'm curious to see, yeah. you know where we're going to find that out. It seems like mainly in action comics, but maybe now we'll get some of it revealed in the detective too. Yeah. And I'm glad that they, that uh, James Tinian decided to end the story by taking out uh, Colonel Kane, because yeah. with this Gotham and Gotham girl thing, it's getting kind of long, you know, it's getting kind of, uh, it's, I just wanted to move on to the next story. Right. Uh, so I'm glad that ended. And, I think the highlight of this issue is seeing everybody sad that Tim died. I think that's the highlight of this issue, especially Stephanie. And I like that scene between 
her and Bruce where uh, he sh- uh, she shows him the the letter that Tim got from I think it's Ivy University. Yeah, and that he was actually going to leave the bad family, and you know Bruce reads it and then he sad and he turns away and then he they they end up hugging at the end. I thought that was a really great moment. And Batman was crying. Did you see that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we get to see that. It was such a powerful moment. So good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was excellently written. And the art, man, the, the, the art in all of these issues is, is some of the best. I think, I, I think it's safe to say it's second to Wonder Woman. And yeah, you can make an argument that it is the best, too. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just really fun. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this issue and I'm just wondering where Tim is, how they're going to get him back. This is how you end a story and this is how you build up for your next one, right? This is, this is, this is how you do it perfectly. Uh, so for this, uh, issue, I'm going to give it four and a half out of five, uh, Jaws endings that apparently were cut for no good reason. Um, yeah, this was just a great issue. Um, so, also Batman number two, Tim. Yeah, this one, uh, this is just a fun story. <laughs> I mean, this is a cool story that we're getting with Two Face and, you know, the thing that Bruce needs to get to in that house that's supposedly going to cure him before it's too late. But it's just fun action in the story, which is why I'm enjoying it. The issue kicks off with uh, first was Gordon and Bullock. You know, they're pretty much going to go after the Bruce Wayne, it looks like, with his connection to uh, Harvey. But then we get to Batman fighting Croc and King Shark and Amygdala on this train with uh, <laughs> Two-Face. And just seeing Batman take down these big monster creatures is always fun, using his different gadgets. But yet, he's getting <laughs> pretty knocked up, too, or just beat up by these monstrous characters. But in the end, he still takes them out and is able to win. So just seeing the different villains that he has to face is what makes this story so far, a fun read. Then after his fight with Croc, King Shark, and Amygdala, he gets poisoned by Cheshire. And he thinks, you know, that's going to be Two-Face's opportunity to get out of here. But what does Batman do? He gives the same poison to Two-Face because <laughs> Batman knows he has the antidote. He's going to make it for both of them, but that will prevent Two-Face from escaping from him. So I just love that moment of Batman, you know, knocking down Two-Face's idea of, oh, I can escape now. But Batman has him right where he wants him still. So that truck they were on, with the train that explodes and now they're off falling into uh, this river and making their way into the forest. But before we get back to them, we get this moment with Penguin, White, uh, the Great White, and Black Mask confronting this character in a robe and a hood, you know, telling him pretty much doing <laughs> what all the other criminals are doing to try to kill Batman and get that reward, but they're not going to get their own hands dirty. They're going to hire someone else, and that is going to be the KG Beast. And at first, I didn't realize it was him until you know they said his name, but because they were kind of keeping a mystery, and I'm surprised it was just okay. It's the KGB, so that's cool, but they didn't have to keep it that much of a mystery, I guess. And you can tell they try to make it, you know, where he is someone who's not to be messed with because he opens his fridge and you see this talon mask full of blood that he has in there, you know, making you assume that he took out a talon, so he's not to be uh, messed with. And then we go back to. Bruce and Two-Face still struggling as they make their way out of the river. And I like the dialogue they had here because Two-Face is kind of telling them, what's going to happen when, you know, you get brought in front of the judge and you get taken to trial for all that you've done? 
And I like Batman's response there. He just says, when that day comes, I'll stand by what I've done. I'm ready. It's kind of like he made his peace to whatever's going to happen in the end when his time as Batman is done. So I kind of like that little exchange they had there. And then there's a moment with a Duke and Alfred in the Batmobile or in the Batcave trying to analyze um, this chemical that uh, Bruce is trying to get to cure Harvey. But then Duke recognizes something. And he says, like, oh, it's this chemical. What is it? Like, oh, no, I got to get out of here. I got to tell the Batman it's a trap. So, But he doesn't specifically say what he found out, only that it seems like wherever Bruce is going and trying to get, it's not what he thinks. And it just could end up being a trap by Two-Face. So, uh, Two-Face and Batman, they end up getting uh, captured by like a SWAT team that looks like Two-Face was paying off. So they have him captured, but Batman is able to escape in kind of short fight action sequence as he takes out the SWAT team even though he was handcuffed but then the truck gets shot up because we see KGB's making his uh you know what I'm just re- I'm going through the issue right now and he's just only being called the beast not KGB so I wonder why they dropped that so I just noticed that right now I was looking through it but he shoots up the truck and it tumbles over and that's the last we see of what happens to Batman and Harvey assuming they're still in the wreckage of that truck and then the issue ends where it says, like, two days from now, we see Harvey and Gordon at the clock in Wayne Manor that leads to the entrance of the Batcave. And uh, Gordon, they, they open it up, and they say, you know, he just says, Bruce, what have you done? So it's making me wondering, do, like, these cops here and Harvey and Gordon, they know Bruce's secret? Or is this a decoy that somehow Bruce and Alfred put on there to make him, you know, not necessarily think he's batman but somehow involved with it somehow so i'm curious to see how that's gonna end up playing out so this is again a fun issue great action the only thing that i was kind of curious about the last issue ended with gentleman's ghost kind of stalling his way onto the escape truck that batman and two-face were in but he was nowhere in this issue so i don't know uh, what happened with gentleman's ghost they make a quick reference to him but we never see anything about him like how batman fought him so I was kind of curious to see how that fight was going to play out, and we never got it. So that was a little disappointing. But again, still a fun issue. I'm enjoying it. Great action, great art. So I'm going to give this one four out of five different cuts of Jaws the Revenge. That doesn't make it any better. All right, so Wonder Woman number six, Tim. And I think it's, you're going to like it, right? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can safely say now that I really love the year one aspect of the Wonder Woman book. And this was another great issue. I, I just love how it goes back and forth between what Steve's doing and then what uh, Diane is doing out as Wonder Woman. And it starts off with them landing the invisible jet on this beach. And I love how we get to the interior of the invisible jet. It's just like this pink substance that's in there. It doesn't look like a normal <laughs> jet, but yet it fits. So I like that. And they land on this beach and all these people are in shock and awe. And so, but they get you know back to the local naval base there where they both go their separate ways where Steve gets taken for a debriefing. And the same with uh, Wonder Woman. She kind of gets taken into custody, kind of pretty much almost arrested in a way because they don't really know who she is. She get very defensive and Steve tries to tell the officers like, no, don't worry, it's, it's going to be all right. She tells Diana to trust them, just go with them, we'll be all right. So it's definitely, we got, we're at the point now where in the previous issues, we got Steve on the mascara being out of his element. And now we're seeing it happen to Diana. She's in man's world now. I like how the issue played out. Like I said, we see Steve getting a physical and debriefed and, you know, 
being talked to about uh, his experience on the mascara, and it goes back and forth between Wonder Woman being processed, you know, taking her photos, her fingerprints taken, and then ultimately, ultimately being put in the cell. So, and then uh, the the thing is too, where they can't understand each other. Wonder Woman is speaking another language that Steve can't understand, that pretty much no human can. And they're just trying to figure out what she's all about. And Steve tells them, you know, she's here to help. She was chosen. She's here. She helped me. She they healed me there. They gave uh, my fellow military men a proper burial. So she's definitely here to help. But they still want to know, you know, what she is all about because uh, she's from another land and can't speak their language and is dressed different from all they are. So they are curious about her. And then another great moment too that I like, where probably my favorite part of the issue where Steve goes to visit his friends, Nick's family, his wife and daughter, who, who he's died, so he has to tell them. And yet we're getting parallels of Wonder Woman in her cell being visited by these animal, animals. And throughout the issue, you see like these owls and birds uh, just hanging out like on a porch or by a window, not necessarily doing anything, but you know there holds some significance because on the cover, <laughs> Wonder Woman in a cell surrounded by animals. So they're played out in place of sporadically throughout the issue which i thought was cool to this big moment at the end where wonder woman is wondering you know this was probably a mistake i want to go home uh, they just don't understand they're afraid of me and then this owl flies into her jail cell and then she gets visited by a deer a turtle a mouse a peacock all these different animals and in the background you like so like you see olympus there and the next morning she gets visited by, or the military, they bring in Barbara Ann, who we know from the other storyline going on is Cheetah. So this is the start of her relationship with Diana because she's the only one who can understand what she's saying. And they're already kind of forming this bond here, which was cool. And she tells him, you know, the gods, they visited me in the form of animals and they gave me gifts. And everyone's skeptical, including Steve. You're saying, you know, but we're in a world where there's an alien flying around a metropolis. Is this really that far-fetched? But and as their Barbara is about to make her way out, Wonder Woman was like, "Oh, don't leave me! Like you got to listen to me. They gave me gifts." And then we see her just tear up the jail cell, the bars on her cell, just lifting it up, and she's telling like, "I told you, they gave me gifts." <laughs> and that's how the issues end with them shocked and astonished, and Wonder Woman just realizing her new powers. So, a great issue. I, like again, I love the parallels between what Steve's going through and what Wonder Woman's going through, and I love the moment of. Uh, it's Wonder Woman calls them the Patreons, visiting her in animal form and giving her her powers. And great moments with Steve, too, and the family of his friend Nick. So, all in all, a really good issue. I just love the year one aspect of this Wonder Woman story. And I just can't wait for more. So, I'm going to give this one four and a half out of five cuts of Jaws of Revenge that don't make the movie any better. Yeah, and Tim, you took the words right out of my mouth, Tim. <laughs> Your whole review. <laughs> uh, wasn't it, though? <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm really liking the year one stuff more than the current storyline, actually. And, and and that's not to say that the current storyline is, is, junk, is sure. junk, but I don't know. It's just something about this year one stuff. Um, I just can't really put my finger on it. Um, to me, it's just the dynamic between Steve and Diana and in in the story that they're telling. I think it's yeah. so well. And I think what else, uh, what Rucka does real well is when she's introduced into uh, our world, he's not doing the thing where it's it's like, oh, what is an automobile? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just she's 
taken from one place to another, put in the cell, and then she's visited by uh, the patrons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five uh, Jaws endings that got cut. It's really that good. And if you're not reading it, you should definitely read it. Start reading it. Yeah, so if um, anything else, just do your one aspect. Because <laughs> it's just really, yeah. really great stuff. Yeah. Um, so with that, we are done for this episode, Tim. So just go over to thebatmanuniverse.net on facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse or on Twitter. Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. Uh, our Twitter handle is at batfanspodcast. Tim's Twitter handle is at timg. Three one one. Oh, you kept me in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> and my t- Twitter handle is at Dainz's Banana. Uh, you can email the show at batfanswithoutpass@gmail.com, and you can rate and review us on iTunes. So please do that. And like we say at the end of every podcast, what do we say, Tim? We love each and every one of you, Oliver. With that, I'll see you guys next time. Shine that signal across